From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to the program. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq, and I'm so excited to bring you the first episode of For What It's Worth, a program that focuses on personal finance and workplace. And this is the first show of hopefully many. And if you've been following me, you know that I talk about workplace and personal finance. And my whole agenda is to make these topics feel accessible to the everyday person. Because you turn on business news and a lot of the terminology that they're using, a lot of the ways that they're talking about money, people just glaze over, myself included. I often listen to them and I think, Who are you really talking to right now? The rich people that want to get richer? Or are you talking to everyday Canadians? Because right now, money is a huge concern for everyday Canadians. And so here on For What It's Worth, I want to bring stories that are going to inspire us, that are going to make us think differently about our money. When you walk away from this show or when you finish listening to it, I want you to think to yourself, I learned something about my money today. On today's program, we're going to have have a financial advisor. He's one of the top advisors in all of Canada. Uh, talk to us about what's happening in the markets, break down how we can understand how that affects us and the moves that we should be making when it comes to our money. And we're also going to speak to Matea Roach. I know anyone out there who is a Jeopardy fan knows who Matea Roach is. She won 23 games in a row in March of 2022 uh, to be one of the most, actually the most successful Canadian contestant ever. And she walked away with a pretty pretty handsome sum of more than 560000 US dollars, which is the equivalent to three quarters of a million dollars in Canadian dollars. And so how is she managing that money? Has she gone on a fancy holiday or bought a sports car? What has she done with that money? You'll be really uh, surprised to hear some of the things that she's doing with her money right now and getting some inspiration as well. Because even though for her, this is a game show win, money she's come into in a very short amount of time, and she's actually very young as well, 23 years old, coming into that kind of money can be a little bit hard to manage. But the way that she's managed it, I think there's lessons in it for all of us of how we should be managing our money. Because many of us do stand to have an inheritance at some point in our lives. Uh, Many of us are going to get uh, a raise at our job. And so sometimes, you know, it may not be three quarters of a million dollars, but if you get a 10% bump in your salary, how should you manage that? How should you be managing your money going forward? Do you increase your savings? Do you pay down debt? Do you go on a fancy holiday? I think it's a little bit of all of the above. Do something fun, but definitely take care of the important stuff first. Make sure you are increasing your savings as you increase your salary. And if you've got high interest debt, make sure you're dealing with that first. So all of these things are what we are going to be discussing on For What It's Worth. I'm so excited to bring this program to you across Canada. We're going to have guests from all walks of life. So those who deal with people who have 
quite a bit of wealth. So our, our wealth advisor that we will have have on has clients that do have uh, a pretty uh, a pretty sizable nest egg who may be retiring soon, but they still want to be able to protect that money. But also talking to people who are first starting out in their careers, how they should be managing their money, what they should be doing to save for retirement. And one of the things that I do want to get into in this show is some of the terms that we use, I think, are outdated, right? So we often talk about uh, retirement. And so for a person who's 20, 25 years old, that can seem like such a in-the-future event that they just don't care about right now. So how can we change that conversation? I say we start calling it long-term savings saving for your future. So, you know, many of us may not even retire at 65. So we may choose to keep working beyond the age of 65 and uh, maybe cut down the hours, maybe do something different in our job, maybe become consultants. There's so many options available if you've had a long, uh, illustrious career of what you can do when you do get to that ripe old age of 65. Not all of us want to leave our jobs. So really speaking to young people as well as to what they should be doing with those first paychecks. Never are you in a position to save money as you are in your 20s. I know that's a hard thing to sell to young people as they see the cost of living go up. They see interest rates rising. They see um, everything getting more expensive and sticker shock everywhere. But the reality is, is that after your 20s, things get very expensive very quickly for typical for a typical person. You get married, you have children, you have aging parents, you have a mortgage, you have car loans, you have student loans. All those things start to add up. But when you are in your 20s and you're first graduating from your program at university or college, you're first starting your full-time job, you may have some student loans, absolutely. You may have credit card debt that you've been hanging on to, but you have a lot of disposable income that you can put towards uh, your financial goals for the future. And you know what you have? You have time on your side, time for that money to grow, time to ride out the volatility in the markets. So that's something that we'll be talking about as well with our wealth advisor about how this point in time in the markets, it's pretty scary if you've got money, especially if you have invested it only in the last year, because uh, you've seen the, the value of those investments go down. Uh, but if you're in it for the long term, how to really sort of zoom out when it comes to your investments, to not just look at day to day, but look at year to year, look at decade to decade. That's when you're really going to see the magic happen when it comes to your money. So saving a small amount of money in your 20s is going to serve you a lot better than saving a large amount of money in your 50s. So for what it's worth is a show that's really going to bring all of these stories uh, to Canadians so that no matter what financial situation you are in, when you walk away, you're going to say, I learned something about my money today. I can do better with my money today. Because one of the problems we have is that there is an appetite for financial literacy in this country. Um, there's data that shows that during the pandemic, more Canadians are getting interested in learning about their finances. They want to know how to invest. They want to know how to save better. They want to understand how things like their mortgage, their tax-free savings account or RRSP, all of these things, how they can work and how they can fully take advantage of them so they can make the most amount of money. But there's no access in many cases. Uh, the access is 
maybe not there for them. They get onto a, a discount brokerage site and it's so confusing. You don't know where to go. And so really it's about bringing that information so that if you're working with an advisor, that you're not just going and saying, so what should I do with my money today? What should I do with my retirement savings? It's really, hey, these are my goals. These are the things that I have been looking at. What's your opinion? You're having a conversation with your financial advisor. You're not there to be schooled by them as to what you should be buying. They're the experts. Absolutely. They can guide you better, uh, maybe give you some ideas that you didn't think about, but go in there with an educated uh, and understanding of what your investments are and what your investment personality is. We'll definitely be talking about that on this program. Is that even someone making $60,000 may have a completely different investment personality as the next person making $60,000. And they may need different kinds of investments and different kinds of way of managing their money because their personality doesn't fit the way one person is, is willing to manage their money. Someone may be willing to take more risk. Someone may be more conservative and only want to go into fixed income, money that's guaranteed. The other person might think, well, I think I can make more money the other way. So all of these things are what we should understand about ourselves as individuals when it comes to our money, we should have a better, more access to information. And that's what this show is going to do. For what it's worth, it aims to bring all the stories that you're reading in the business news, or you're seeing the headlines in the, in the news at night, and why it matters to you. Why do those economic numbers matter to you? Why does it matter that interest rates are going up? If you've got a fixed rate mortgage, why do you care? You're fine. Your mortgage is fixed. You don't have to worry about that, but you do because that is a reflection of what is happening in the economy. And, and, and eventually you're going to have to renew your mortgage in that fixed rate environment. And so how can you prepare for that? Well, the agenda of this show is to take big news stories and make them digestible for the everyday person. And one thing that's been happening lately on the markets is a lot of volatility. And that can be really off-putting for retail investors, individual investors. When we say retail investors, that's people like you and I who put our money away for retirement, put our money away for our kids' education. But the last year, 2022, has been one of the worst years uh, for investments in a long time. And that's really making a lot of investors very nervous. I want to bring in our next guest. He has all the expertise to answer all the questions of what's been happening on the markets. Harp Sandu is a financial advisor for Raymond James in Victoria, BC. He was also named one of Canada's top wealth advisors by the Globe and Mail for 2022. Welcome to the program, Harp. Thanks for having me. Um, what are some of the biggest concerns that you and your colleagues are hearing right now from clients? Uh, the, the markets, as you know, have been very volatile this year. There's a threat of recession in 2023. What are the things that you're most concerned about going into the new year? Absolutely. I think some of the concerns that we're hearing really are the typical ones you hear during downturns. So the same concerns we heard, say, in 2008-9 during the global financial crisis, um, you know, when the COVID crisis first hit, it's the same concern. Clients are watching their statements. They are watching the media. They're reading the media. They're listening to the media. So there's that fear of markets are down. I think what's happening this time around, though, for the first time in a very long time, we're also seeing um, crazy inflation issues, right? You're seeing gas prices higher than they've ever been. You're seeing grocery prices really high. So the concern for clients has been not only from a sense of, you know, my portfolio's down, which is a normal, typical concern, and, and we're able to address those. 
but it's being coupled now with with drastically rising prices, which makes it a little bit harder for them to stomach. Now, depending on whether your clients are close to retirement or just starting out, or maybe like me in the middle of our our investment journey, um, maybe starting with older clients, because those who are the ones who are most vulnerable to what's happening right now in the markets, what kind of advice do you have for those who are seeing their investments uh, fall and are worried about whether they're going to have that nest egg when they do retire in maybe a few years' time? Right. We've got a lot of clients we've worked with that that we've worked with them for a very long time, and you know they used to be working, and now they're retired. And at the end of the day, their their investments are still a lot higher than when they first started. And a lot of them are in a position because of the wealth they have, where the annual dividends and interest payments are covering what their needs are. So for them, this is an easy one to get through. We just look at it and go, yes, you know the value of your accounts is off. However, if we look at our financial plan, we're still well on track. Plus last year, we were way ahead of track. So realistically, it's it's not going to matter to them. We do still have to guide them through it because of the fear. You do have cases where maybe clients are entering retirements and they are looking to, you know, they need to sell some investments every month to generate the income that they need. And that again is a case of Okay, we're going to have a year where we're selling into some down markets because of the way maybe your account is set up. However, we also were way ahead of the game last year. So, you know, the hardest one is probably someone that came into money for the first time at the beginning of this year, maybe, and, and put their investments in for the first time. And now all of a sudden they're down. That That's a little bit more of a difficult one for them because they maybe haven't been through the downturn and they're also being forced to sell um, into a down market. Now, on, on the other end of the spectrum is uh, younger uh, clients. Uh, you know, maybe they're getting their first job, and if they've landed a job that may, may gives them a substantial salary, they may want to invest that money with you uh, and and with your colleagues. Uh, this may be the first time uh, young people have ever experienced a down market, ever experienced inflation. Well, for sure, in the last 40 years being this high and interest rates as well being higher. So cost of borrowing is uh, going up too. What kind of advice are you giving to your younger clients who are just nervous about even starting on this investment journey because of everything that's happening around them? Right. Um, you know, it reminds me when I first left the bank and came to this side of the business back in 1999, the market fell for about three straight years after the dot-com bubble. And I kind of thought, God, what have I gotten into? Um, I think the best thing for those younger clients, one, this is a great time. You want the markets to stay low while you're investing and you want them higher later when you want to access your funds. But trying to get them to really invest into this market. And I'm thinking of a lot of the children of my clients that I'm talking to. And that's where we need to guide them through, show them historically what these markets have done. Look, markets do go down sometimes. Good stuff always comes back up. So it's a really good time for them to be able to buy into these markets. You know, is it a white once in a lifetime chance? No, but it's, it, you know, we've seen some big declines in the markets. The NASDAQ's down 26.5% as of today. The S&P's down 14. There's a lot of opportunity for them, but you need to guide them through that trepidation that they have. And like, why, why do I want to put my money in here? Because look what it's doing. So it's it's really guiding them through it and, and showing them that this is a great time for them. So on for what it's worth, our uh, our point of view is always to make uh, you know, 
big business stories make sense to the everyday person. So when you say the NASDAQ is down 26%, just break that down. Is that um, uh, uh, from this year or is that year over year? And, and, and what the NASDAQ is, if someone doesn't understand what that, what that, uh, what that stock market is. Right. So that's the year to date number from the beginning of this year to as of, you know, a minute ago when I told you the NASDAQ index, that's where most of the technology shares kind of hang out. So, um, you know, your, your Apples and Amazon and Google's, it, it's the technology index and it's down a lot more than the other indexes. Uh, it is quite volatile, but at the same time, if you were to go back and look at a five, seven year chart, it's also had the most growth. And, and then when you get into a time frame like this, like a lot of the tech stocks got pretty, you could argue, overvalued as things were running up. So they're the ones that are coming um, sort of crashing back down to earth right now too. Yeah, and it's it's worth noting that tech stocks did very well in the beginning uh, the beginning of the pandemic, where more and more people were doing everything online. Uh, uh, Zoom is a good example. Spotify is another good example. Those stocks have now come down considerably since their highs, uh, because as you said, you know they were sort of overvalued at some, at one point. Um, is there areas that you're avoiding going into 2023 that retail clients could really say, okay, maybe this is a place where I shouldn't be putting my money, or a, a place where I should be very careful. Uh, the, uh, the money that I put in that I'm willing to, uh, to, to, to stomach all those ups and downs. Absolutely. When you, you know, we're going through a cyclical downturn here, it's being caused by inflation, supply chain issues. There's, there's an invasion going on in the world. So you're going to have sectors at this time that tend not to do well. And, you know, the material sectors will tend not to do well here. Utilities are cyclical or are starting to pull back. Energy technically is is cyclical and should be pulling back, except with what you have going on in Russia, Ukraine, and oil prices sort of being really high. When you're going into a period where you may get a recession, then materials are an area you don't want to be in, energy you don't want to be in, and, and it's those cyclical sectors you want to avoid um, as you head into that recession. Harp, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the program. Uh, thank you for being my very first guest on my very first show. So it's such an honor to have you and, and to break down what's happening in the markets. Because I think for many people, they see the headline news, but they don't really understand how the, it affects their day-to-day -day investments. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Harp Sandu. He's a financial advisor for Raymond James in Victoria, BC. And I also have to note that he is voted one of Canada's top wealth advisors by the Globe and Mail. So that's why we wanted to reach out to him, uh, because his expertise are so deep, not just here in Canada, but also in the United States. Help us break down what's happening in the markets and what it, why it really matters uh, to you and I. <laughs> Earlier this year, if you're a fan of Jeopardy, Canadians fell in love with contestant Matea Roach. She's whip smart, affable, and the winner of 23 games in a row. A young woman coming into a lot of money uh, very early in her life, just just in her early 20s, all of a sudden walking away with $560,000 US, which is about $760,000 a Canadian. 
And that can be life changing, especially if you're at the, the beginning of your career uh, of the things that you can do with that money. And it's not always a game show that can bring you this money. It could be an inheritance. You could win the lottery. You could even just get a really big promotion at work. So what do you do when all of a sudden you come into a lot of money in a very short amount of time? How do you spend that money and how do you manage it so it lasts you longer than maybe a couple of months and St. Bart's and a fancy car, you really want to take care of that as a show that focuses on personal finance and workplace and becoming more financially well. I wanted to invite Matea Roach, Jeopardy winner, 23 game winner onto the program uh, to tell us about how she is managing her newfound wealth and her newfound fame. Matea, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Matea, it was such a joy to watch you uh, in, in the beginning of 2022. You know, with the pandemic still around, it was just a bright light at 7.30 in the evening for us to sit down and just watch you during right after dinner. Uh, my whole family was into it. I just wanted to start the show by saying how proud we are that a Canadian got this far. And uh, you are the most successful Jeopardy! contestant from Canada ever. So I just wanted to start by saying that. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. So it's meant a lot uh, that people have had so much fun watching me have that experience because I was having the time of my life taping those episodes. Yeah. And it, and it showed. It really did show in your answers and those little sort of conversations that you have with the host in between. It really did show how much you were enjoying yourself. You walked away with a pretty uh, big sum of money, 23 games you won in a row, $760,000 Canadian. How, how, what is the first thing that you did once that money uh, came into your possession? What, what's the first thing you did with that cash? Uh, well, the first thing I actually had to do was open a new bank account because the check comes to you in American dollars, of course, because it's an American game show. And so I didn't want to deposit that check into a Canadian account and then have just the conversion of the day, you know, determine how much money I was actually going to get, right? Because I had this additional factor of having to think, how can I convert this into Canadian dollars in a way that's going to be advantageous? Do I even want to convert it into Canadian dollars right now? Uh, so I had to open account an account that would accept uh, US dollar deposits was the first thing. Um, and then the next thing that I tried to do was I set up some meetings with people who could help me figure out how to invest the money because I knew I wanted to not really spend most of it. It was not quite enough money that I felt like it made sense for me to buy property right away. And also I'm young enough that I don't think I'm ready really for the responsibility of property ownership, frankly. Um, and so, yeah, I was setting up meetings with financial advisors, which previously I'd done kind of all of my investing and financial management on my own. So that was a change. What was that conversation like when you get on the phone with the financial advisor? Hi, I'm Matea Roach. I'm the Jeopardy winner. If, I don't know if you've been watching the show and I'd like to hire you as my financial advisor. Tell me what that meeting was like and if they were fans of the show, too. Uh, so I think that the meeting that I ended up taking, I took a couple, there was one, I had a referral from a friend who had an advisor that he really liked. Um, I also just took a meeting, I just at a bank with somebody who was kind of not the bank teller, like the person that you would regularly speak with, but, and not private wealth either, because I didn't really have enough money to go quite that far. So sort of like a mid tier, somebody who doesn't just work at the branch and comes in from like a head office. 
Um, I don't think she was familiar with my run on the show um, because I definitely got a lot of questions of like, well, how do you even have this money? How did this happen? <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, I was on a game show and I, I did pretty well for myself. Uh, so it was an interesting meeting, you know, because uh, there were a lot of questions as well about, well, what are you doing now for work? So you have this windfall, but what's your actual income? And that's something that was in flux for me at the time because I... Being on Jeopardy and having been on television for a month, I just consistently sort of in everybody's faces did end up opening up a, a number of other opportunities. So I was like, well, I don't really know what my income is going to actually end up being this year when it comes to work stuff. So there were a lot of questions that I had to confront um, that I probably would have pushed aside for a while if I hadn't been having to you know, directly want to manage that money right away. And Matei, I know you mentioned uh, when you won your first $30,000 that you said, well, my student loans are paid off now. Is that, is that something that you did with the money was get yourself out of debt uh, right away? Um, actually, no, because so back in April of 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, or actually, yeah, I guess there, there, at some point during the pandemic, anyhow, there was a temporary pause on student loans that was implemented. I think it was actually April 2021 that they that they paused interest payments. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, um, and so now that's actually going to be extended to a permanent uh, pause on interest on federal student loans. So I had long since paid off the provincial portion of my loan. Um, since I was like a Nova Scotian student at the time that I was taking on debt, those provincial loans are administered separately. And so you can actually decide, okay, I'm going to make advance payments to my provincial or my federal because it's two different agencies that manage them. So you know, that's gone. I now only have the federal loan, um, which now is not going to accrue interest. So I thought to myself, like, why bother paying off this loan that's not even accumulating interest? And I can just continue making monthly payments on it. And then that way, the money that would have gone towards servicing that debt, I can hold in investments, I can do other things with it. But it is nice to know that if for whatever reason, um, I know a lot of folks that have, for instance, other kinds of debt, mortgages, what have you, um, are definitely concerned about interest rates spiking. So if that were to ever happen to me, the only debt I have is that loan. And it's nice knowing that I could pay it off um, just in the blink of an eye if I wanted to. That is a very savvy decision that you made because a lot of people, when they have debt, whether it's incurring interest or not, uh, their feeling is, I just got to get this paid down. I've got to get this closed up. But to know that that money works better if I invest it somewhere and I just make the payments as I'm supposed to, why would I pay this down? Because it's not going to pay me back anything because I'm not actually paying any interest on it. Was that advice you got from your financial advisor or was that something that you knew on your own? No, that's something I just knew to do anyway. Um, I actually, my mom was, she just retired last month, but she was for more than 30 years uh, employed by the CRA and she was an auditor. So <laughs> I was raised to be pretty financially aware. Um, and so even before I came into a lot of money, you know, I always knew I had a great financial advisor in my mom. So yeah, the decision to not pay off the loan debt right away wasn't actually a, a discussion I had with the financial advisor. I think I kind of, I think I mentioned it and then she was like, yeah, that makes sense. But it wasn't her suggestion. It was something that I thought to do on my own. Matea, you've been doing all the right things with your money. It sounds like, uh, you know, like you said, taking advice from your mom, who is, you know, if, if someone who works for the CRA for 30 years is a much better, uh, a much better at managing their money probably than 99% of Canadians because they've seen it all. But a lot of people come into money that may not have those, uh, that, that, that knowledge, that financial literacy. What would be your advice to somebody who um, has inherited all of a sudden, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, and th they don't, they don't know what what to do with it they don't know what the first step should be 
Um, I think the first thing is to find people, not necessarily advisors, right? Because even the prospect of finding a financial advisor, I think, can be kind of difficult because if you're completely new to the notion of having to manage money, it's hard to know, well, who's going to give me advice, right? It, it's difficult to differentiate between different services and that sort of thing. So what I definitely tried to do was think of, well, who are people in my life that I really trust to give me good advice with money? I'm lucky that I have a great relationship with my family. I knew that people weren't, you know, the sharks weren't going to start circling looking for money from me or anything like that. Um, and I was used to having open conversations, uh, especially with my mom, but with my dad as well about money and, and how it should be managed. So for me, like those were the people that I relied on. I had a couple of friends that I knew as well were trustworthy and maybe they hadn't had a similar experience, but would at least be good people to bounce ideas off of. So I think that that's the critical thing is, is talk about it and think about it, right? Because I think finances are stressful for a lot of folks, even when you have something positive happen, like coming into money, uh, if it's in the context of an inheritance, maybe you're also dealing with the stress of losing a loved one and having to make funeral arrangements and, and doing all of these other things that can sort of muddy the waters a little bit. So find people that are going to be your supports and make sure that you actually like manage things quickly. Because the last thing you want to do with something like an inheritance is like have an estate that's disputed for a really long time. Like I've seen that happen uh, before and it's, it's, it's always just messy. So get on top of it, even though it's hard, uh, you won't regret it in the long run, I think would be my advice. We are speaking to Matea Roach. Anyone who is a fan of Jeopardy will recognize that name. She is the most successful Canadian contestant ever to be on that game show. She won uh, three quarters of a million Canadian dollars. So a lot of money that she walked away from. And we're talking to her about how she's managing this money, this windfall that she won in just 23 games. Um, how has that changed her life? How has that changed her spending habits? We will have more with Matea Roach when we come back after this break. And I want to ask her, has she done anything fun with this money? Has she bought something frivolous with this money? <laughs> Speaking to Matea Roach, 23-time winner of Jeopardy, walked away with $560,000 US, equivalent to three quarters of a million Canadian dollars. Matea, I wanted to hear from you. Since winning this money, have you done anything fun for yourself? Have you spent it on something that maybe you felt was unaffordable before you came into all this cash? No, honestly. I think that most of what I've spent the money on, so I've spent very little of the winnings. Um, I try to, th I've, I've spent like maybe $10,000 out of it um, at most. And a lot of that was on things that I would have likely at some point had to buy anyway. Like I bought a new phone because my old phone was down to about three hours battery life and right. I thought well, this <laughs> cannot stand. Um, so, you know, I bought a new phone outright as opposed to being locked into a contract and doing the monthly payment way of, of doing things. I had to buy some new armchairs for my living room. So I bought slightly nicer armchairs than I might've bought otherwise. Um, after taping the tournament of champions, I went on vacation in California, uh, for about a week and a half after, as opposed to coming immediately back home. So it's, you know, the vacation was probably the biggest thing on net, but even then I spent some of that time where I was away staying with a friend and not spending super frivolously, you know, at the, at the five-star hotel, and like going to the most fancy restaurant every night, there was a lot of diner food. Um, you know, I'm a pretty simple person and I, I have never really like yearned to spend money on extravagant things. So I think 
that makes it easy to not ball out when you do suddenly have a lot of money. I will say I do go to the record store a lot more than I used to because I used to feel just so guilty about buying records. Like it felt really frivolous. Mm-hmm. And now it's nice. Like, again, I'm I'm not going nuts or anything, but it's nice to not feel that sense of guilt just buying even smaller things that are a real treat. Now, being on TV, which is different than someone who wins the lottery or or uh, wins uh, or gets an not wins but gets an inheritance from a, from a relative, um, has also opened up other opportunities. Tell us what you're doing right now. Uh, the new opportunities that you've been able to 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 take advantage of since 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 this uh, since this 23 game uh, winning streak. Yeah. So specifically, the the main thing that I'm doing right now as a result of having been on television is I have had the opportunity to actually host a podcast. So I'm hosting a show called The Backbench, which is one of, um, if any listeners are Candleland supporters, uh, it's one of Candleland shows. Um, and so what it is, is it's a Canadian politics focused show. And every two weeks, we bring in a panel of folks from across Canada. Typically, we try and get some different political tendencies and we discuss Uh, you know, issues that really affect Canadians. So this week, our episode was talking about kind of the conclusion of the Emergencies Act inquiry, but we've also talked about, you know, inflation. We've talked about the protests that have been going on in Iran and what the relationship is to the Iranian diaspora in Canada. Uh, We've talked about the Conservative leadership election that happened uh, back in September. So that's been a lot of fun, and that's not something I would have had the opportunity to do without sort of the public recognition of having been on television. Um, and then, you know, I've also had like literary agents had approached me. So I'm working on a book proposal right now, and hopefully I can get my act together <laughs> and finish writing that. Um, and I think the thing that's interesting about the position that I'm in is because I was sort of not even really settled into a career at the time that I was on Jeopardy, I was like literally waiting to hear back about law school applications. I think that I don't even really know what sorts of opportunities you know, even like say five years down the line might come up as a result of the things that I'm doing right now as a result of Jeopardy, right? That butterfly effect, I think is going to be really significant. And that's something that's a little bit different, I think, for me, as compared to somebody who has that sort of Jeopardy experience, perhaps a little bit later in their life, and they're already settled in a career, maybe they leave that career, but it's like, they're not building their entire, you know, 40 year, 50 year, whatever career in you know, entirely in the shadow of having been on television. Yeah, no, I, I think it's wonderful. I mean, you're, you're, you will always be known as the Jeopardy winner, but you can build on that uh, for throughout your career. And, you know, whether you go to law school or not, uh, there will be all these opportunities that come up because it's just an interesting story. People always want to hear about something that happened um, that is positive, that happened on television and being Canadian. I think that you're always going to have people uh, stopping you and asking you about questions about your experience on Jeopardy, probably throughout your entire life. Matea, Thank you so much for joining us. And I got to say, it's so refreshing to hear a young person, 23 years old, I believe you are, um, you know, being so sensible with their money. A lot of people would have taken that money and done a lot of different things with it. Uh, but it's it's really um, it's really nice to hear that you're being so frugal with it and knowing that, you know, you know, it doesn't last forever. Even if it's a large sum of cash, you can easily blow it very quickly if you're not taking care of it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, thanks to my mom for making sure I was raised sensibly.
Absolutely. Uh, Matea Roach is a Canadian Jeopardy winner. 23 game streak she won at the beginning of 2022, uh, walking away with more than $560,000 US, which equals about $760,000 Canadian, uh, telling us how she's managing that money and some advice for those individuals who may come into a large sum of money uh, in, a, in another way, maybe not from a game show win, but an inheritance, a lottery win. Maybe all of a sudden you just get a really big promotion at work. It's really good advice. Just sit back, take stock of what's happened and see how you can manage that money better going forward and make some smart decisions. If you don't have to pay that loan down because it's not incurring interest, then manage that money differently. That's some really good advice. So thank you to her. That brings us to the end of the program for what it's worth. Thank you so much for everyone who listened today for my first show. I really hope you'll join me weekly at this same time uh, to hear some of the best personal finance and workplace stories, stories that are accessible to everybody, whether you're a teenager or a grandmother. I want to be able to inspire everybody to do better with their money. And this is not a show about making rich people richer. This is a show that's going to help everyday Canadians just do more with what they have. Because giving advice to people that they should go out and make more money or they should try to get a better return on their investments is not really something that you can put into practice today. You really have to give people solid advice on what they can do with what they have. Uh, For example, here's my little tip for you today. When you go to the grocery store, make a list. Just by simply making a list, which you obviously make after looking in your pantry and your fridge and your cupboards to make sure you're not double buying everything and taking advantage of the stuff you already have, making a list by doing that, that that five-minute little task will save you 23% of the grocery store because you'll be more focused, you'll only buy what you need, and you'll only... Uh, buy the things that you're actually going to use. So you won't double buy something and all of a sudden it goes bad in the fridge. How many times have we been guilty of bringing home that box of salad? You already had a box of salad and then it goes moldy in the fridge and you got to throw it out. That's five bucks chucked right into the garbage. So these are the kinds of stories, you know, from the micro savings that you can do, which is what I'm talking about when it comes to your groceries, to the macro stuff, the stuff that we really should worry about when it comes to our long-term savings, our long-term goals, be it retirement, long-term savings, children's education, saving for that first down payment, saving for that new car. However it is that you want to live your life, how can you do more with the money that you have? I really loved our conversation with Matteo Roach because it really does inspire me to do better with my money. Um, Even if you're making more money, it doesn't mean you've got to spend more money. And there was a little tidbit that we didn't play for you uh, of something that Matteo said that really struck me. Let's have a listen to that now. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I think... I've disappointed a lot of reporters who've wanted to hear like, oh, what's something fun you've spent your money on? I'm like, nothing. Like, I've always hated spending money. I'm not going to suddenly enjoy spending money now that I have more of it. And I think that that is something that all of us can be inspired. Not that you should hate spending money. I mean, if you enjoy buying nice things, you should continue to enjoy buying nice things. But because your financial situation changes, doesn't mean your your lifestyle has to change dramatically too. Uh, Making more money doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend more money. There's opportunities there to save and make yourself more financially well. I really hope that you'll join us weekly on For What It's Worth. We'll be breaking down all the big business and personal finance stories 
and why they matter to you uh, and all the things that you can do in your life to improve your own financial wellness and know more about your money. We are so happy that we're going to be doing this show uh, on a weekly basis. I really hope you'll join me. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq, and this is For What It's Worth.